All right, everybody, welcome to episode 116 of the Fantasy Timeline, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. I'm Josh at Real Fantasy TL. I'm with the co-host with the most, Drew at DR underscore PRA. Drew, how are you doing, brother? I'm good. Another week we get to talk about what's happening. I love it. And if you're watching on YouTube, which you should be, you see... Our guest for this week, we got Spence at JTRB1. I think you can figure out what that means. But Spence, <laughs> how you doing, brother? Bro, I'm living a dream out here. You know what I'm saying? Dude, uh, excited to have you on. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a fun ride tonight. So usually this time of year, news is kind of, kind of slow, kind of crawling. Maybe we don't even find anything worth talking about. But man, this week, everything was going on. Uh, The Bears, Broncos, Giants, Raiders. And we thought the Vikings for a minute have found head coaches. So obviously, if uh, you haven't been in front of your phone within the last hour or so, it looked like the Vikings were going to get Jim Harbaugh, as I like to say, uh, from Michigan to come to Minnesota as the head coach. And then he said, oh, wait a minute. I think I'm going to stay at Michigan. Uh, I don't know if uh, the school slid him a couple more bucks. Uh, I don't know if he got that private plane. I don't know what happened, but it looked like a lock for the Vikings job. And now he is back with the Wolverines. I would. I'm a little disappointed because a uh, friend of the show, Short Logic, was uh, a little unsure about that hiring, and I wanted to troll him a little bit. And then, uh, then old Jim, he uh, he trolled me and uh, went back to Michigan. So, what what do you think about? I mean, you could talk about one of them, all of them. Uh, it doesn't matter. What do you think about these uh, these coaching hires? Are there is there one you love? Is there one that you hate? Uh, Spence, since you're the guest, why don't you start us off? I like it. Um, so I would say my favorite so far has been Brian Dable. I'm a big fan of Brian Dable, what he was able to do with the Bills. Um, I don't, I'm not necessarily sold on Daniel Jones, but if there's a player that people were talking about coming in this year that they wanted to see do well, it was, it was Daniel Jones and it was based off of uh, Josh Allen's career arc similarly. So if Brian Dable was able to work with jo- Daniel Jones and with Saquon Barkley already there and, you know, I feel like Kenny Galladay wasn't really, you know, utilized to the best of his ability. Carries Tony was looking pretty good uh, at the beginning uh, before the, all those injuries. I, I think that this offense could become fantasy relevant, but I'm concerned that either A, they don't ride it out with Daniel Jones, maybe they take a different direction, or they do ride it out with Daniel Jones and he continues to be what we've seen previously. Um, so basically, I think the expectations are relatively the same, maybe a little higher, but I think that upside with Brian Dable there has been, is something that piques my interest, something that piques my interest on those, those players for fantasy relevance. You know what I'm saying? So, so Drew, being the resident Bills fan here, uh, is – can't say is your favorite hired Dable because obviously no, you would have rather no, stayed, stayed as the yeah. offensive coordinator yeah. for your squad. But um, do you like that hire? Is there another hire that you love? Maybe one that you hate? 
Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, I sure this last night. I, I think it's one of the best hires. I think they went out and got them early, which was smart. They took uh, their GM from the Bills as well. So clearly there's something there. Uh, they're looking to translate from the Bills' success. You know, no, no two organizations are the same. No two teams are going to be the same. But I think there's uh, a method of patience and development that was really good for Josh Allen. A lot of folks were uh, really skeptical and for some really good reasons early on. I think after the first couple of years, um, a lot of people were really, really worried about did the Bills make a mistake just going for this athletic guy? But, uh, you know, of course, he's panned out really, really well. We have high hopes. Uh, as far as, you know, the Bills community, we're, we're all thrilled for Dable to get his shot here. I think that's something that I love about uh, Bills Mafia is we want to see everybody do well. Uh, that's that's coming through our place. So um, I, I mentioned it last night on the Trade Addicts pod. I, I hope we don't see him too much because uh, uh, <laughs> I expect him to do good things. And, you know, you – People laughed when uh, I mentioned about the Giants playing in January sometime in a meaningful game. But uh, if they do things uh, similarly and have similar success, it won't be too long, I think, before the Giants could uh, make some noise in the East again. So I got a question for you guys. Um, based off of uh, Bill's Mafia resident and just a question I have in general, um, personally, I'm on the team where good coaches play their best players. Like, good coaches apply – their best players in ways that, where they're more relevant. So you take Brian Dable and the Bills, where they have Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, and you know nobody really that can run the ball. And you see Josh Allen take a lot of goal line carries, and you see him run a lot more than maybe some other athletic quarterbacks do in other systems. Do you think that with Daniel Jones' experience with running the ball, do you think he'll take on a similar role as Josh Allen, the goal line, and maybe some more um, RPOs? things of that nature? Or do you think because Saquon Barkley is there in comparison to Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, where they might, you know, good, like I said, good coaches rely on good players. Saquon Barkley is obviously one of the best ever coming to the league, in my opinion. Uh, do you think they'll, they'll rely on Saquon Barkley heavily, or are they going to use the Josh Allen model kind of with Daniel Jones? You know what I mean? Yes, yeah, so that's an, an interesting question because kind of I think the first step in the Giants rebuild is figuring out their cap situation they're they're somehow in like they have cap problems but they don't have a good team which is always kind of like the worst of both worlds um I, I think Brian Dable is going to try to build an offense that highlights what Daniel Jones does well, and he he is a mobile guy. He can run. I think RPOs would be um, good, especially when, I mean, you have to decide on is Daniel Jones going to keep it or is Saquon Barkley going to take it? I mean, that that's it's yeah. not a good place to be as a defense because if you guess Daniel Jones and he doesn't have the ball in his hand, Saquon can do some real damage as long as he's healthy. But I want, I wonder – if either one of those guys are in the plans for 2023. Because if Daniel Jones is what he has been the last few years, they're not picking up a fifth. I, I don't think at any point they're going to pick up his fifth year option. I think they would rather see what happens. If he plays lights out, you franchise him, then you work on a big time deal. And mm -hmm. if he stinks, 
2023, you know, we, we've been talking about it in, in the dynasty community already. Man, the, the draft of 2023 is going to be great. There's going to be great quarterbacks. There's going to be great running backs. There's going to be great wide receivers. So I think that Daniel Jones could be gone and Saquon could be gone. If it's another, he's hurt, he's not hurt, he's only playing, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11 games, and he's out for half the season. I don't think I don't think Saquon gets that money from the Giants either. So I think Brian Dayball is definitely gonna put an offense that accentuates what they do well, but I also think this is kind of gonna be a, you know, this is gonna be a trial period for a lot of different people. And if they don't work out, they can, you know, reset. I mean, they have two first round picks this year, which Obviously, I don't think either one of those picks will be used uh, for a quarterback or a running back. But, you know, they're, that's how they're going to try to build this team. They're going to try to bring in, you know, rookies that don't make as much money because they have cap problems. And that might also be the plan in 2023 if, you know, they have another four, five, six win season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the ideal is uh, you mix it up with Jones, who can run. I don't think he's quite as athletic as Josh Allen, uh, but he, he's dangerous enough. He's fast enough. Uh, I think ideally you you scale back on Saquon's usage and you get a little bit more selective when you let him take some of the big hits. Um, you've got Kadarius Tony, who is an offensive weapon when he's healthy. So you've got mm-hmm. some really fun options uh, that you can get the ball out either out of Daniel Jones hands quickly. Um, you saw in his first couple of years too, he could hit the deep ball. He hit Darius Slayton a few times for some long, 100%. long passes. Um, he got so some he's, good arm strength. Yeah. He's got, he's got some, some tools. And I think ideally you, you spread things out and you don't put as much on him. That's where he really gets screwed is when he's trying to play catch up or he's trying to play hero ball. And he's just not, he's not that talented. Yeah. The um, turnovers but, are definitely his main weakness. Yep. So I think you you have some good options there to to play around with some some things in the in the playbook if they keep that group together. I I don't know enough about the cap and where uh, they are to see you know what's realistic of who they might keep or what they could bring in. Um, but yeah, I I hope he does well. I hope Dable does well in general, uh, and hopefully the Giants are are patient with him and his system like the Bills were. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to stick on it too much. I just felt like bringing that up. I I thought. It would be interesting to hear your guys' thoughts on that. No, I I, I love it because they're, they're going to be an interesting team going forward. I mean, they kind of yeah. brought, you know, they want to be Bill South kind of. They want to take a yeah, team yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that was trash for, for a very long period of time, like the Bills were, and build it through. I mean, they really built this team through the draft for the most part. I mean, yeah. You know, Josh Allen, you know, you talk, you know, everybody's darling right now. Gabe Davis, Devin Singletary. Yeah. The only one they really brought in, like, that was a bigger name was Stephon Diggs, right? Right. Yep. You know, know, and then and then they just just grabbed some. Yeah, they grabbed some cheap guys, you know, like Emmanuel Sanders and uh, um, Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you just. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of the way the Bills were able to revitalize the franchise i think the giants could totally head in a similar path i think last year when they brought in kenny galladay for as much money as they did was kind of a real uh hit you know for them yeah but 
I'm I'm really excited for what's going forward. Uh, but I like what you guys said, and I think what I'm hearing from you guys is temper your expectations for fantasy purposes. I don't think going into this year we should be targeting Saquon Barkley or Kenny Galladay or Daniel Jones very highly based off of Brian Dable higher. But there is some upside there. So mm-hmm. you know they get some elevation, but I think they're all going to be drafted or they should be drafted lower than they were this year if that makes sense mm-hmm. to me. that makes yeah. that's what makes sense to me and i think that's what you guys might be saying there'll be some risk reward there for sure and yeah uh, some drafts people will be out way too much you might get a, a great value on one of those guys but yep. there'll be some folks that'll go too early too based on the news and hopefully you get some other value to fall to you well yeah. j- just listening on twitter one one guy that you're not going to get a discount on is saquon P- people are still they're very high on saquon Mm-hmm. I'm not one of those people mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm fine kind of going mm-hmm. against the tide there. But it's not a talent thing. And that you know, people say, you know, I say I'm not high on Saquon, and everyone's like, Well, you don't think he's good. And I'm like, no, I think he's awesome. But the health is a problem. And yeah. I don't think that where they are with the cap and where they're picking in this draft, that they're gonna be able to rebuild that offensive line in an offense. That's interesting you mentioned that. Because, like you said, you have they have the two firsts, and I, I personally, it it all depends on their on Brian Dable's thoughts on Daniel Jones, which I think we'll find out, like early, like within the next few months. I think we'll I think we'll start hearing reports of what Brian Dable's thoughts are on Daniel Jones going into this, and then we can build off of that. So, in my opinion, if Daniel Jones, if they think he is the guy, I think they might go O line O line in this draft. In which case, I think that that could bolster Saquon's ability. But then, like you said, the health is a is a is a huge concern. And there's a lot of people who are on the camp of I don't bet on injuries. Or there's people who say, okay, this guy was out for this many games this past two years. I'm not drafting him. You know what I mean? And it's tough to find a medium with that crowd between mm-hmm. those two crowds because. You obviously don't want to draft players who are just going to be injured all the time. Like Kadarius Tony is scaring people off already. Kenny Galladay didn't, or not Kenny Galladay. Um, yeah, well, yeah, Kenny Galladay kind of did it with the Lions the year prior, and then you know it was hard to see any improvement from this year. And then you talk about Saquon Barkley. This whole and then Daniel Jones misses two to three games almost every year, so it's hard to buy into this offense when almost every player is missing games every year. So. I think Saquon Barkley is the only player that I would be interested in at ADP come August when you're talking about redraft season, which yeah. kind of correlates to the off season's dynasty. You know, it's probably going to like fluctuate a little bit, but in general, by the end of you know August or July, you'll see his ADP be similar to dynasty ADP just because of his age and everything. So, I think Saquon Barkley might be the only player that I'm almost in on. Um, just because the ceiling is high enough to the point where he could be RB1 uh, at the end of the next season if he stays healthy. And that's something that I think you have to kind of chase when you're talking about an ADP where he's probably going to sit in the late second, early third round. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, that's going to be fun to see, you know, especially once free agency hits and then the draft hits, what the Giants do, who they get rid of, and then who they bring in, and if they, you know, they do draft, you know, maybe just one of those top 10 picks is an offensive lineman, 
and maybe they grab somebody off a free agency on the cheap that might have you know a little bit of talent then all of a sudden you could start seeing all right they fill two spots they may need to fill two more but they're at least and i mean we've all seen you know we all saw that meme last year during the offseason with you know Joe Burrow throwing to to Chase and you know anybody's yeah. blocking for him and he never gets it off. And listen, the the Bengals don't have an elite offensive line. They don't even really have a good offensive line, but they've made it to the Super Bowl. So you know, I think yeah. I think some teams are also going to look at that. Now, I I think that's a unique situation because mm-hmm. Joe Burrow got sacked nine times and the it didn't even phase him. I mean, yeah. I've never seen a quarterback get hit that many times and not start speeding up footwork or start he's rushing hard. the road. Yeah, he's so, special, man. He's so special. I, I don't think that's a, a strategy every team should chase, but you're going to see some teams that have bad offensive lines kind of try to chase that because they think that it can be done because they saw it done once. And I yeah. think that's a very unique situation. But, I mean, if Brian Dable can also – put together an offense where it's more quick hitters and we're not, you know, five step dropping, seven step dropping, hold the ball for five seconds while this offensive line struggles to block, you know, the three of us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I think Brian Dable is going to be able to make Daniel Jones work. I think he's going to be able to make him work. I think he's going to get it to the point where it works. Um, But I want to pose a short question to you guys. Do you think that um, the cap, relatively do you think that the cap per player like in their position correlates decently well to how good that player is on in that position you know what i mean so like for example so a wide receiver gets paid x money do you Mm -hmm. think it relatively correlates to how good they are at the position no because you would say no okay i would say no for this reason, and obviously, I don't think this is a real yes or no question because I, I okay. think it's really case by case basis. It is case by case, but, but yeah. But like, let's look at you know, we're talking about the Giants, so let's look at a guy like Kenny Galladay. Yeah, paid too he, much, right? He got paid because he was the wide receiver in a weak wide receiver free agency class. So yeah. obviously, that guy's well, and get- on a week on a weak team in, 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 and you're talking about in relation to his teammates, you know, right. and I'm sure y'all know, everybody knows who's listening to this or you should know target share is not necessarily dependent on your teammates, but yes. it can correlate a little bit. When you talk about like Armand Ross and Brown this year, obviously all of his teammates got injured. And then at the end of the year, he just kind of blew up that right. target share could be sustainable, but likely not based on the lack of competition. Kenny Galladay in a very similar position last year. You know what I mean? It's basically TJ Hawkinson versus him, and that was it. You know what I mean? So, so I get what you're saying for sure. So, we, you know, we, we see that, you know, in a case. But then, you know, we look at a case like uh, like Patrick Mahomes. I mean, his his actual contract starts this season. You know, not – he wasn't – he was still working off of that rookie deal, and now the extension he signed actually starts coming this yeah. season. Yep. But based on what he's done on the field, he should be the highest-paid quarterback in the league. And, you know, so it's kind of, you know, free agency, I think, skews things a lot of times because. But you're saying when. okay, so free agency might skew it a little bit. But as far as like in team, like if they extend someone or they restructure or they they um, 
they bring somebody back or they hit the uh the button on the franchise tag you yep. think that's pretty relative okay i, I so think the reason should, I, yeah that's I that's what the market bears right yeah, yeah that, hit, when you extend and stuff that's what the market will bear that's that's okay. what you're able to yeah. draw compared to the other options that are out there yeah. uh, i immediately go to somebody like justin jefferson or jamar chase who's on a rookie deal right now there's no way that their their contract right. uh right. is commensurate with what their contribution is and that's, that's the beauty right. of the nfl right you've got to figure out which pieces can you bring in and pay which ones do you need to cycle through and keep on on the cheap. Um, but yeah, I think overall you get enough balance with the new guys and then with the guys that last long enough. And yeah, I mean, Brady was worth every penny to, you know, every contract he ever, right. He was underpaid. He was underpaid for 20 with the Patriots. I would say with the bucks, I would say, I mean, honestly, you could say he could, he should be paid the world. Right. But as far as like, you're building a team, you're trying to win super bowls. Like he might've been paid, a little too much, I think, with the Bucks, And I think that might have been a little bit of their downfall. And that's actually why I posed this question, because I wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on you talking about the O-line and Joe Burrow with the Bengals. There, I had a buddy do an article this offseason where he took all the salary caps and all by position, and then he, not by position necessarily, but like O-line and D-line were one position, and then the rest were by position, um, and DBs too. Um, but then he took that and then he correlated it to Super Bowl attendances, I believe. And then it kind of gives you an idea of how much you should be paying your your groupings of players. So like wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks, all that good deal. How much you should be paying them and, and relatively to how much you have to pay someone to get to the Super Bowl. And O-line was one of the ones where it was kind of like a throw up, like, you didn't, there wasn't actually a huge correlation. And I think it was based off of what Drew brought up with where once you bring in newer guys uh, and maybe veterans, you know what I mean? Like that can skew it a little bit where O-line wasn't very correlative to how well you did it um, just in terms of the playoffs and how, how far you could go. Whereas a quarterback, it was very relevant where like you basically had to be Eli Manning or, or not Eli Manning, sorry, Eli or Peyton Manning or Tom Brady um to be able to go to the super bowl not on a rookie deal where you weren't getting paid you know uh, a minimal amount for your efforts so you talk about patrick mahomes you know that was huge for that team the chiefs to be able to bring in the new o-line to be able to rejuvenate that last year where they wouldn't have been able to do that if they were paying patrick mahomes too much so you see joe burrow right now with no o-line um and he's able to do what he does and I think that correlates well to the rest of the team where you got Joe Mixon getting paid a decent amount and all these other Tyler Boyd's getting paid a decent amount. Like these are the kind of players where you don't normally like really want to pay them that much, but because the O-line isn't as correlative to winning, you can, you know, when you have a quarterback like Joe Burrow on such a cheap deal right now, you can maneuver the cap in a way where you can afford to not worry about the O-line and just focus on other positions that could be more important. Well, and, you know, I'll wrap this up with, you know, going back going back in the past a little bit. We saw this with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson on a rookie deal. Yep. They, they were able to build an elite defense. Exactly. And I, and I know you kind of go, wait a minute, he plays offense, defense. But he was on a rookie deal, and he was a third-round pick. So not only was it a rookie deal, it was a much cheaper first-round pick rookie deal. And yeah. – that's where you got the Legion of Boom from because they exactly. could pay all these guys that they had already drafted and 
have an elite defense lead a very good Russell Wilson and a, okay, fine, average offense to back-to-back Super Bowls because um, th- it was cheap. And, you know, this is, this is why fan bases get angry when they have elite quarterbacks on rookie deals. You know, I- I'm a Cowboys fan, so obviously every Cowboys fan was like, why are we not doing more with Dak Prescott while we have Dak Prescott on this rookie deal? Because he was a fourth round pick. So his contract is super cheap. He is a, you know, top 10 quarterback in the league. Why are we not doing more to get this team to the Super Bowl while we have him on the cheap? Mm-hmm. And I think you get that from a lot of fan bases when you find that young rookie quarterback and yep. you're like, okay, now we can put all the pieces around them. Now we can do this while, while money is cheap. And we don't have to worry about paying this guy 30, 35, 40 million dollars a year and, you know, completely blowing up our cap because he's making, you know, I don't know what Joe Burrow's making this year, but five, six, seven, Not eight million dollars. Yeah. You, you know, he, he's making less than probably, you know, garbage backup quarterbacks that we laugh at when they have to start games. So, you know, it's a very important thing, and we've seen it throughout time that when you get the uh, the rookie quarterback on the deal and you can actually build an elite team around them, it usually works out well. Uh, we'll hit these two real quick so we can get into the uh, to the timeline. Um, Tom Brady retires. Uh, thank you, Tom. 22 years. Um, pick 199. We know all the – we know the whole bio at this point, you know, and yeah, it, it's just, you know – we say this all the time, and then like someone comes along, I don't ever think we're going to see a Tom Brady again. I, I mean, at least not in my lifetime. It'd be like seeing a Michael Jordan again. I hope not. You know? Yeah. I mean, a, so guy, unlikely. a guy who comes in, I mean, not only was he, you know, and you can argue if he was the best to ever do it at his position, whatever. I'm not here to have that argument. But yes, a guy who comes from literally almost nothing when it, you know, we talk about draft capital. Now I could you imagine if, you know, dynasty was as big as it was when Tom Brady was drafted and we're like this six round pick, I don't even want to take him in super flex drafts. This dude, he, he didn't even, no, start he would at, not have been taken. He, would he not didn't have been even taken. start at, he didn't start at Michigan. He, yeah. he looks like a 35-year-old dad with his shirt off. I mean, we would have we would trash this guy, and he really came from nothing at, in the NFL world to being the best. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm glad I got to see his whole career. Um, yeah. I'm glad, you know. It was That's just, the best part was growing up. Or, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm younger than you guys, I think. Right. But growing, for me, growing up, like, I was a Steelers fan, so AFC was just nuts my whole life. Like, I just yeah. got to watch Big Ben and Tom Brady go at it for my whole life, pretty much. You know what I mean? I mean, Steelers weren't always amazing, but, like, you have, like, Joe Flacco and Big Ben and um, Philip Rivers and uh, Tom Brady going at it in the AFC for, like, my whole life. And it was just, like, awesome. You know what I mean? And when yeah. I saw Philip Rivers retire last year, I was like, damn, you know? And then Brees went out and then... And now Ben's out and Brady's out. So it's like everything's just, you know, going away. And, I mean, Flacco, what did he start a game for the Jets last year? Like, I mean, yep. <laughs> you know, I'm glad for the guy. But, you know, he's basically done. Yeah. So it's crazy, you know, that this moment, this Tom Brady retiring has really woken me up to the fact that, like, we're in a new era of the NFL. You know, we already kind of were. We were getting there. But man, I mean, that really is, you know. 
And, and I'm glad he went out on top. You know, he he didn't you know sign a one year contract with you know the Texans and you know go you know seven and ten and yeah. throw for you know twenty eight hundred yards, you know ten touchdowns, fifteen intercepts, and we're like, oh god, like this this dude should have given it up. I mean, he went out. Fi- 5,300 yards, 40 touchdowns. I mean, he went out on top. I mean, yeah. got a, you know, got a Super Bowl in his second to last season. I mean, there, I, there's never going to be another guy like him. Never going to be another Tom Brady. Yeah. I'll tell you as a Bills fan, it was, okay. it was so good that he left and went to Tampa <laughs> Bay for two years. Because I think if, if he had retired straight away from, from the Patriots, I don't think I would have appreciated what he had done in his whole career. It just would have been that. Thank God he's gone. Celebrate all the happy gifts and, and memes about him being gone. So we got that out of our system two years ago. Um, and and to be able to just it. look at, yeah, the body of yeah. work and uh, you, you watch uh, the last touchdown that he threw to Evans and what the hell are you doing? Mike Evans, hold on to the damn ball. Didn't you learn your lesson with the other touchdown ball? But uh, yeah, to be able to see him go and do it in a different system. Uh, it's just, uh, it's unreal. So uh, crazy to watch that whole career. And Josh and I were talking last night, how many Hall of Famers had their career inside of his career? Some of them even getting inducted by the time he retired. And I saw, uh, going back to to coaches, right? Uh, Vikings, most likely their their new head coach, uh, was drafted eight years into into Brady's career as his backup. And now he's already a head coach. And how wild is that and I, I've always been a Manning guy. I I, I grew up and I okay. loved watching Peyton Manning, followed him, and you know for the longest it was always you know I love Manning, I hate Brady, uh, but yeah at this point it's just such such an appreciation for what he's done for the game. Yeah, yeah I mean it, it it's awesome. Uh, I said earlier I'm glad I was able to watch all of it, um, and we won't we won't ever see that again. And then the final piece of news. Uh, and this is this is so Washington at like <laughs> eight thirty in the morning. They drop. Man, they don't wait till like noon, one o'clock. They don't do you know big press. They they go on social media and they go, "Hey guys, we're the Washington Commanders. Let's go." <sighs> two years, yeah, two years. I mean. Really, you should have probably had this planned out just knowing what the social climate is. But that's beyond the point. You gave yourself two years to rebrand this team. Unbelievable. You you probably paid millions of dollars to PR firms and marketers and, and social media people to come up with what is Washington going to be? The commanders. Yeah. Cool. I think if they had dropped it like a month after they they dropped the the Redskins, it would have been dope. Yeah, you know, people yeah. are like, okay, that's pretty cool. Like, all right, moving on. You know, yeah. but because, like you said, two years later, and like you said, I mean, I don't want to get into politics, but you talk about the climate. They're in Washington. The Pentagon's there. Obviously, Congress, all that stuff. Commanders makes sense. Military, whatever. But but you just came from the Redskins. You're talking about people who the whole reason behind it, right, was because of Native Americans and how they were uh, treated, you know, mm-hmm. and and how you're like kind of 
uh, you know, furthering it by by maintaining this name, and then you switch it up to commanders. Or, you know, you talk about commanders, like the people who were in the militias and in the militaries who first, and you know, and did those acts. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. why, why become the people who everybody was kind of saying you were before, you know? I, I don't know. I, I think if, if, if nobody would have looked into it this deep, if it wasn't two years worth of, of time in between everyone thinking about the Washington football team and everybody thinking about the Redskins to come to the com- commanders, then we wouldn't have even thought twice about it. We would have just been moved on, been like, okay, cool. But because of this, like unnecessary length, you know, I think it's just added to the unnecessariness of how, like, it's in your face. It's just so in your face, you know? And I don't like that. And, and I think another reason, and Drew brought it up for a little bit, I'm going to put it back on. S- Steve Dennis makes a really good point. He goes, yo, yo. I kind of really liked it as Washington football team. And you know what? For two years, at first it was kind of like funny, oh, Washington football team. That's goofy. Football team. But then you kind of were like, okay, like I'm kind of feeling it. I kind of, yeah, like I'm getting it. And you allowed people to kind of become connected yeah. to the Washington football Just throwback. So to break that connection, you needed something big you needed an like a name that was just like oh wow like this is it we we came up with the right rebrand here right and then you came up with commanders and i was like i mean my eight-year-old son probably could have come up with actually something better than commanders but like that's something that like i would say like it, it it seems like a minor league football team a semi-pro football team yeah. Or, or something that you would create on Madden, uh, or Washington. It's like a you, default. Yeah, you scroll through the names. Uh, commanders <laughs> sound you, good. I don't want to yeah, go through the whole list. Yeah, you put like captains or or, or oh, lieutenants God. or something. But you're like, you know what, commanders. That's dope. Yeah, you know? like, and another thing that I don't understand why they didn't do it. Why didn't they change that hideous color scheme? They could, but they can, you know? They they had the chance to be like, okay, we're changing the name. Total rebrand. We're changing the look, this maroon, and they call it gold. It's yellow, people. It's <laughs> disgusting. Well, and it doesn't even make sense for commanders, right? You're talking about the military. You're talking about right. commanders. You, you could have went, you know. You go navy and gold or something like that. Right, green, that's what I was going to say. You green got Union Air Force. Air Force yeah. is blue. Navy's blue. Marines are like bluish green. Army's green. And yeah. Coast Guard is whatever you want it to be. Blue, whatever. And yeah. they're still red. Who Who is red? Who is, they, or whatever that color is. It's not even red. It's like burgundy, you, you know? It's based on their old logo. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? that's terrible. Like, and terrible. that's the pro and that's the problem. And that I mean, not only is it in just an ugly grouping of colors, but really it, like it also refers yeah. back to what their mm-hmm. old logo is. Yeah, exactly. And I'm yeah. just like Do you, better. You guys, you guys had two years. I mean, if you just paid me and said, Okay, two years, I need you by yourself to rebrand this entire football team. I could have done better. And they, this is what they came up with. But it's Washington. Anyhow. They're going to do what they're going to do. You put in the notes here, uh, 
Spence whack. I mean, D- Washington is <laughs> that's yeah. what the W is for. Yeah. Uh, I like someone put on what, a, what even is their acronym anymore? Because like he said, like Steve said, I like WFT. I liked I yeah. liked it. It was smooth. You know what I mean? I could type it out mm-hmm. easy, no problem. Yep. Everybody knew what I was talking about. But now I gotta type what? I gotta type all Washington. WC that's a freaking bathroom. Yeah, WC or like wrong chat, you know, work yeah. center. You know, what it they don't know what I'm referring to. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean it's 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 terrible. Um, and I'm a big fan of the three letter acronyms. Like I want to universalize three letter acronyms for yeah. all NFL teams. What am I gonna do with with Washington Commanders? Like WTC, you know? Yeah. I guess maybe like it's WCO. Yeah, like it's just there's no good there's no good way to put it. You know, it's not it's, a fan. Not a fan in general. Not a fan. It, it's whack. They they had time to to change it up, and they <laughs> I honestly think they just did the easiest possible thing, and just said, "All right, let's quick come up with a name." Nah. Uh, what do you think about commandos? Okay, cool. Sounds good. Um, we're not going to change any of the colors. Ooh, actually, commandos would have been better than commanders. Oh yeah, I said commandos. Commandos. Commander. But I would have I would have been down for commandos. That would have been like a black and. Yeah, well, that would have been almost black hit. and green. Yeah, yeah, black and green. Or something. I mean, they, that would have been almost cool. They could have went. They could have went so many different directions. They could have done yeah. something that incorporated all of the armed forces since they're in True. Washington. I mean, they had so many options. They could have even just went off the beaten path and did nothing that was really associated with Washington D.C. And they just they. I mean, like Ridley said, they could have just went with another bird. I mean, birds are like the livestock of yeah of of sports teams. Like he said, it's better than the Pelicans. I disagree. Birds, you can't lose with a bird. You could have just picked the Washington parrots, and people would have been like, I mean, it's funny, but all right, I'm with it. You know? Yeah, I mean, they they had options and they blew it. So if you're a Washington fan listening to this, you I mean, you probably agree with me anyway. But <laughs> yeah. yeah apologies. I, I'm sorry that this is not for uh, what we're saying, but for what you have to deal with. Yeah, that that's uh, that's what it is. So, all right, Football. let's let's get into the timeline. We talked about the news, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly with the news. Um, I'm gonna start off. I'm not gonna go in order on the show sheet just because I, I scrolled and I saw a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that I like. So, uh, this first one here. Spence, obviously, I'll I'll explain your handle just in case people haven't picked it up by now. Oh, okay, yeah. JTRB one, Jonathan Taylor, you were you were there right away. You were, I think you're the conductor on the train, or you're at least in that first, first class. class. Yeah, like you're. Like if you're it. not first the conductor, I'll take that. You're standing next to the conductor. So, yeah. so I'm the like question the guy shoveling the coal. That's right. That's right. So <laughs> doing the real work for keeping that engine for the going. JT train. Um, so who, if anyone, do you see challenging Jonathan Taylor for RB one this time next year? So when we're talking, the 2022 season is over. Has anybody challenged JT? Has anybody put a real effort into taking him out of the RB one spot? So, yeah, right now, I'm going to say it's not even close. There's nobody close. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is either the youngest or one of the youngest, 
best players in the league right now, best running backs in the league right now. So the only names that you see in contention right now are Javante Williams, who hasn't really proved anything necessarily, but there's high hopes, right? But younger, right? Okay. And then we talk about DeAndre Swift, similar age, but hasn't really proved it either. He's had a good stretch at the beginning of the season, but didn't necessarily prove it. And then you talk about Najee Harris, who obviously saw a ton of volume, loved that, dealt with a very poor situation, in my opinion, bad line, bad quarterback, definitely could improve, could do well, but older. He's already the same age as Jonathan Taylor. And then you talk about, um, you're talking about the end of 2022, and that's when you have to bring in B. John Robinson. Um, because now we're talking about the 2023 draft, right? Because we're already talking about the 2022 draft. So, oh, I'll preface with this. I don't see anybody in the 2022 draft competing with Jonathan Taylor. Reese Hall is my RB1, personally. Not close to Jonathan Taylor's tier. Um, uh, so, yeah. So, we're talking about Bijan Robinson. Obviously, good draft draft uh, capital and good landing spot could vault him into RB1 contention just based on his hype. Uh, but right now, I don't think anybody could touch him in Dynasty. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's too old. Saquon Barkley's too old. Been too banged up. People won't buy into it. That's where we are. Then you want to talk about redraft best ball. You're talking about seasonal leagues and stuff like that. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey, I mean, every year until he retires, you're just going to say he has one of the highest ceilings in fantasy football. You can't deny it. His, his 2019 season was just insane. If he ever does anything close to that again, you know, you're going to regret not drafting him. So I can't fault people for chasing that. But personally, I'll still draft Jonathan Taylor over him. I feel like he's safer. Um, I still feel like Jonathan Taylor didn't get the full volume that he could have this season. He got good volume, especially the second half of the year. But you talk about extrapolating games, you know, you extrapolate the games from the later half of the season. It's just insane. So obviously I'm JT everyone. Maybe I'm biased. Um, you guys can tell me if I'm crazy, but right now I don't see anyone contending with Jonathan Taylor as the RB1 going into the 2023 season. Drew, you got you got anything to add? Yeah, I, I love Jonathan Taylor as well. I I got him at the 104 in, in rookie drafts when he he came out in a couple of home leagues, which I was thrilled about. Uh, you know, I was looking at the top four. People were trying to say, hey, do you want to go up to the 102? Do you want to trade up to 101 and get like Tua or Burrow? I was like, I'm going to get one of Tua, Burrow. You know, CH had the hype, and I would settle for him at four based on the value at that point. But I was really hoping JT would get to me, and he did. And uh, I loved him. I, I, I love him. I've had him in redraft for a couple of years. He, he uh, brought me a championship this past year. But um, I, I think I said it last night on the, the Trade Addicts. I, I think there is a, a, a decent possibility that, especially if Melvin Gordon goes, I think Javante could push him for that one spot. And I think you'll have a small contingent that maybe will uh, hitch their wagon to him just to maybe piss off some of the JT truthers. Uh, I think in, in my brain, uh, JT is it for the next couple of seasons. Even with that 23 class, there's so many other variables that would have to go right to get somebody uh, to produce like he's produced. Whether you think he got 80 or 90% of the potential this last year, I know people were up in arms the first six, seven weeks asking Frank Reich what he's doing for usage when they saw the flashes. I asked him the whole season. I'm not going to lie. But I, I don't know. If, if he can do that and that gives him an extra season or two on the back end, I'm all for it. I think he's a special talent. Yeah. And I, I I would love to see him go and you know be elite until he's 27, 28 based on his style. 
Um, he's not going to be a guy like Kamar or somebody that can can play uh, more off the, the passes anyways. So I, I love watching him play. Um, I, I'm a huge Javante fan. He was my RB2 in the rookie class last year. And based on his age difference compared to Najee, I think we, we expected Najee to do better, which he did. Uh, so I, I, I do think that there is a possibility or potential for Javante to go and, and push him for that where it might be uh, an easy one-two, but I still think uh, JT will probably be a, a tier above. Yeah. yeah, I like what you're saying. That. The only thing I'll mention based on what you're talking about is, like you said, J- uh, Javante was your RB2 in his class. Uh, and I, I heard you mention that was kind of based on Najee having more experience and age, so naturally he should do better in his rookie season. And like you said, he did. Um, but you're talking about uh, Jonathan Taylor, I just don't I just don't understand how there was any dispute between him not being the RB1. When you look at the college production, the profiles and everything, obviously CAH gets that first round draft capital. It's a nice boost, but it's still not enough to, you know, change my perspective on Jonathan Taylor. So when you talk about Javante, I think one of the concerns will be that he did split the workload already in his college career. And then coming to the NFL, he split the workload with Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon already put out a tweet saying he wish he really hopes he comes back to the Broncos. I don't know if that means he's going to take a pay cut to come back or what, but you know, obviously that's a possibility. So I would just say as far as actionable advice goes, I'm not like shooting for the moon with Javante Williams just because it is a high upside, high loss um, situation where if Melvin Gordon comes back or they bring in someone similar to Melvin Gordon, you could be hitting a tier where he's like serviceable some games and then not serviceable some games. And then you'll be frustrated where you start him and you don't start him and when he does well or whatever, you know? So with John, whereas with Jonathan Taylor, even with Naheem Hines there this year, wasn't that impactful to his fantasy production. So, and like, I mean, you mentioned he's not Alvin Kamara. Totally agree. Obviously Alvin Kamara just garners tons of targets. You know, you can't compete with that. Jonathan Taylor is not the best pass catcher in the world. But I will say Carson Wentz just missed him a ton, like a ton, like oh, multiple overtimes, multiple fourth quarter drives where Jonathan Taylor gets, you know, he comes up, chop blocks, goes out into the middle of the field, and then Carson Wentz just launches it to Michael Pittman. And I'm not going to lie, sometimes it worked out, you know, where you saw those crazy pass interference calls on Michael Pittman, and you're like, Frank Reich, what are you doing? But then it all works out in the end. So you can't be mad at it. Um, but I will say Carson Wentz definitely missed him sometimes. And I think that yeah. that's something hopefully that they attack when they go over their postseason film and they look at how many times Jonathan Taylor is just wide open um, in those situations and they, you know, correct that going forward. Yeah. I think his style is different uh, is what I was getting at. Like he, he is not afraid to go between the tackles and, and get some yeah. of that contact. And I mean, he, he and Javante are similar in that, right? Both in the rookie seasons had a high percentage of, Broken tackles, um, you know, they were both getting hit early. Uh, so yeah. it, was, it was very few, it was very short season, distance. Yeah. yeah, very short distance before contact and then still going, uh, which I think some of that excites me about Javante as well. And a lot of explosive plays in college, which hopefully translate. But yeah, I mean, J- uh, JT is just, he's special. I could talk about this forever, honestly. I mean, <laughs> I've had the Javante JT discourse like so many times since. Uh, I don't know what you want to call it, like October, when Javante really started to, you know, gain his stride. Um, one of the things that I'll mention is you brought up the missed tackles. Obviously, very important to your game because 
every missed tackle means more yards, more fantasy points, hopefully a, a touchdown, whatever you want to call it, wherever you want to go with how impactful a broken tackle is. One thing I'll mention is a lot of people bring up that Javante Williams had X amount of broken uh, force missed tackles this year compared to Jonathan Taylor. One of the things that correlates with that, in my opinion, is speed. You're talking about Javante Williams, a 4.62, 4.63 kind of guy. Obviously, that was a pro day. Actually ran a 4.58, whatever you want to call it. Um, however you determine your pro day times. Then Jonathan Taylor, you know, is a 4.4 guy. That that is something that is relevant when you talk about Jonathan Taylor running a spread option. Uh, he gets or a spread. I mean, you get out to the outside, and you know you're not getting caught, so you're not forcing any tackles because you're fast enough to get away from guys. Whereas with Jonathan Taylor or uh, Javante Williams, like inside a box, he can shake you out. He can maneuver around you. He can push you off. You know, more of a he relies more on his strength and his speed, mm-hmm. which is not a knock on him, but I think it limits upside. I've had this conversation a million times. Some people say that break, broken tackles and breakaway runs don't impact fantasy production as much as I say it does. But in my opinion, you're talking about film, you're talking about these kind of things that give you more fantasy points. I don't necessarily want a guy who's going to give me a 30 yard rush every few carries. I want a guy who has the opportunity to break away on an 80 yard touchdown run. Yeah. Um, it's not a knock on Javante Williams. It's just when you're talking about these high level assets, these top tier players in the NFL, you have to scrutinize the babiest of things. You know what I mean? Yep. Obviously, Javante Williams is one of the best running backs in the league at this point. Top 15, I would say, at minimum. You know what I mean? Somebody mm-hmm. could argue with me on that, but I doubt it. That means he's going to be good for fantasy production as long as he gets carried. But you're talking about putting him in a top five, top three of dynasty running backs. You need him to be elite. You need him to be as good as possible. And I think you have to just bring up all the little things that could inhibit or in um i don't know what you want to call it but yeah yeah, things that hurdles his fantasy production yeah you know so yeah i mean jt every year is on that whatever the uh the metric is where they track the top speed for plays every year yeah it's like he's got two or three in the top three in the top five this year yeah it's crazy the guy is guy's unreal fourth fourth most career yards per game that's Isn't that crazy. insane? Yeah. Fourth mo- just behind like Barry Sanders and a couple other legends. You know what I mean? That's just insane. Obviously the whole line's good, but it's just insane. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll throw this out there. I've put this out there a couple times. Get your thoughts, Spen, since you're you're firmly in, in the JT camp here. Uh, just quick initial gut reaction. I, I moved him in a rebuild this year to get Javante and what ended up being, I think, the 108 and 112. Um. Yeah. In a rebuild, I'll take that all day. Um, obviously I hate selling Jonathan Taylor. I know, but it, I'm still, I'm still torn. Uh, so the, the reason I would say I take it is because I imagine you took this at some point mid season where someone was benefiting yep. from Jonathan Taylor. So yep. you didn't League really winner. care as much about Javante Williams production, but if you look at consensus, you look at dynasty values and all that stuff, that's the important thing when you're talking about a rebuild where you don't care about fantasy points. You just care about their value. How much can I trade this player for? So you're talking about two first round picks and Jonathan T- or and Javante Williams for Jonathan Taylor. You could trade Javante Williams for something comparable to Jonathan Taylor this offseason because of how crazy his valuations are going to be based on Melvin Gordon news and what quarterback the Broncos get if it's Aaron Rodgers. Oh my God. Like, you know what I mean? I think he did really well. I would definitely try to ship John- Javante Williams before he plays a snap. 
this coming year because I think the odds are based on where his value is right now that it can only kind of go down, mm. especially with Brees Hall coming in. Personally, I think Brees Hall might be a better prospect. We'll have to see based on draft capital, landing spot, and testing numbers and all that stuff. Um, but Javante Williams, I think if you can sell him before he takes a snap for a comparable value to what he was worth during the season, then you're just in, you're just sitting pretty. You know what I mean? Definitely go out, try to get like a wide receiver. Um, and then with your two picks, try to grab a quarterback and a wide receiver or something like that. I think you'd be, I think you'd be in a better position than just having Jonathan Taylor on your, on your roster for two years. I love, I love this conversation. And I know Spence can go all day about, uh, yeah, about I'm sorry. Jake. I just talked. No, you got to no, cut me off. Y'all it's all, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good because I'm, I just, I love the conversation. I love the back and forth. So I'm, I'm going to let you guys talk it out for, uh, as long as you want. Uh, this tweet came in from Dynasty Sags at Dynasty Sags. What side in a super flex? Stafford and Cup or Jefferson, Carr, and Hunt? And this is an interesting one here. So, Drew, why don't you go first? Which one, which side do you got here? Uh, if there's a guy that I love as much or possibly even more than Jonathan Taylor and Javante Williams, it is Justin Jefferson. Um, I, it, this was a, a, a snap vote for me. I didn't even have to think about this twice. Uh, as good as Cooper cup was this year. Uh, that's fine. I love the stack of Stafford and cup. And I personally, I hope Stafford goes and wins it all this year. I love the guy. I love the, the grit that he's shown in his career arc. So I, I hope he gets it. But, uh, I think if I'm, if I'm in a dynasty league, uh, I'm fine dropping from Stafford to car, especially if it's my QB two. And I want that longevity and the upside of, of Justin Jefferson here. And, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt's a nice throw in. I'll, I'll, I'll probably flip him for a pick or something like that uh, early in the season to somebody who's contending, uh, unless I'm contending with this roster. And then great, you know, he's a great bi-week guy or possible flex play. So for me, it was pretty easy. I, I want Jefferson, who's, in my opinion, the best best asset of the group. Yeah, I, I love Matt Stafford. I, I've loved Matt Stafford for very long time but it's 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 the justin jefferson side i mean come on i mean if if we broke this down by where we would take these guys in a startup justin jefferson would be far and ahead of probably everyone else that that we're talking about in this trade even cooper cup because yeah. i mean you think Cup's gonna be what 20 28 29 29 yeah so I mean, well, he's 27 right now, I think, and it'll be 28. All right, so you know how we, you know how the dynasty community is. 28, uh, he can't play <laughs> no more. He's he's not good, and and I think he, I think he's going to be good. But we saw the best Cooper Cup we're ever going to see. I mean, yeah, I mean he he had a historic year. I mean that's not just me talking. You know, he had a historic year. We he is 28. He'll be 29 he in June. Oh, so. June. He's gonna be 20, oh. 29 going into the season. That's even worse. Yeah. We hate we hate him more now. He's just yeah. one year away from 30, and that's when everybody that's in death. Dynasty dies. One of the best yeah, one of the best advice that you can give, like okay, so we just looked it up, right? We know in June he's gonna turn 29. I I guarantee you most fantasy managers, I mean, I just said he's 27. I think he's turning 28 before the season. That like most managers aren't going to pay attention to that. So you're on sleeper, you're on MFL where it says their age right on the app. People aren't going to know that he's going to turn 29 tomorrow right. based on the app. You know what I mean? It doesn't say right. their birthday. 
So one of the best advice I think you can give as far as dynasty goes is sell those guys be literally as soon as you can before their age changes. You know what I mean? Yeah, like number goes 28 up. right now. We already think 28 sucks. But I'll tell you what, a lot of people are going to think 29 is worse. You know yep. what I mean? So 100%. if you sell him literally the day before his birthday, it will give you more than afterwards. Because yep. people just won't know. The guy's going to think, oh, it's 28. Like, I have another year before he turns 29. I'm going to sell him in the next offseason. It's not going to be a huge impact. But then turns out 29. You know what I mean? So, Spence, what's up? which side would you take in this deal? Uh, yeah, so personally, I'm smashing the Jefferson side, especially in 10 or 12 team, uh, where Derek Carter, Der- uh, Matthew Stafford, as far as fantasy production, not that different. Um, obviously, Stafford has a little bit of a higher ceiling. Derek Carr is really dealing with worse weapons. Obviously, the head coach situation there is miserable, but it's comparable. You know, you slot him into your QB2 slot. You weren't getting Stafford at QB1 price, um, even after the trade, I don't think. He wasn't in that tier. So you're talking about Derek Carr and Stafford. They're both QB2s. It doesn't matter that much. You're starting them in the QB2 slot. Hunt is just a nice throw-in. Maybe he goes somewhere this year. Um, whatever. Maybe Chubb gets hurt again. You play Hunt a couple games. But Jefferson over Cup, I mean, that's, what, six years we're talking about? Five years? Like, you just got to take that. You know, Jefferson's a first-round pick, and Cup is probably fourth-round pick at this point. So that's just too far of a discrepancy. And I think it's worth noting that the – the poll was on the other side of all three of us, which means go go acquire Justin Jefferson. People are too low on Justin Jefferson. Or maybe they're too high in Cooper Cup. So go sell your Cooper Cup shares or your Matthew Stafford shares, whatever. You know what's funny I, is I their think... birthday is one day apart. Cup is <laughs> June Jefferson 15th. And, Cooper Cup. And, Ju- and Justin Jefferson is June 16th. That yes, there crazy. was six years of difference between them otherwise. That's crazy. <laughs> and, and, That's and hilarious. Spence- Spence, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's more of a overvaluation on Cooper Cup than it is an undervaluation on Justin Jefferson because uh, way too many people who play both Dynasty and uh, Redraft, they look at the prior year stats and think that they're going to repeat within a small range of outcomes. And... Yeah, like there are a lot of players that are consistent, but I mean, we just saw if we if we would have guessed what Cooper Cup's twenty twenty one season would have been based on his twenty twenty season, we would we would have missed the boat completely. And we, I mean, if you look at his ADP, we did miss the boat completely. So it's yeah. not you know. Well, even so, if you look at his twenty nineteen season, you still would have missed him. Missed oh the yeah. Bar. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like you'd have just been like, oh. I like Cooper Cup because Matthew Stafford is a good quarterback. I think they might score a lot of touchdowns this year. Cooper Cup tends to be the guy in the red zone. You'd have been like, okay, I'll take Cooper Cup a little earlier than normal. You still would have missed the mark. You still would have not fully actualized his potential. And that yeah. just means that it's such a there's such a huge um, margin of error there that it's unlikely for that to happen again, in my opinion. And like you said. I, I love it. So let's move on to this next one here. This is from Zachy at Zachy NFL. 12-team PPR Dynasty Superflex. Which side do you prefer? Uh, we got Dak Prescott and the rookie 201 or Deshaun Watson and the rookie 102. Mm. So, Drew, why don't you start us off here? Are you taking Dak in the later pick or are you taking 
Deshaun Watson and the earlier pick? Man. Uh, I didn't read this closely enough when I was looking at it earlier. Uh, <laughs> Do you want us to skip you? No, no, no. I think uh, I think I am. Uh, I think I'm on the Watson in, in the early pick. Um, we talked about this a little bit before. You know, Watson. Watson, when he's he's fully playing again, he'll be he'll be going before Dak. I think in a lot of drafts, or you'll be able to get Dak plus. Um, even if you don't like Watson, and I know there's folks out there, you know, trade trade guys away after they've done or they've been, you know, accused of stuff like this. But as far as the value goes, uh, you know, Watson has so much room to grow in value depending on which leagues you're in. And then that 102, uh, whether you want to spend or not, come April, come May, once we see some some landing spots and draft capital changes, like Spence has been talking about, uh, there are going to be some people in your leagues that are going to be you know, really excited about that 102 and you could probably uh, cash in really nicely based on that. So I think based on value, we've talked about this, the non-point scoring season, it's all about getting the best value for what you can for your team. I think I, I land on the Watson and, and the 102 side. All right, Spence, I saw you, your, your brain, it exploded. Your mind was blown. Uh, which side do you have here? So one of the fun things about dynasty trade polls and all that kind of stuff is, and I, I have one in here. We might get to it later. We might not, but um, so, some people mention whether you're a contender or you think you're a contender um, or if you're in rebuild or if you're just in the middle of a pack team. And I think those kind of things are relevant. So Deshaun Watson and rookie one two, that's a very rebuild heavy side because you're talking about Deshaun Watson hasn't been dealt any punishment, any discipline of any kind um, so far, but yep. didn't play this whole season. You're talking about the Texans. Obviously, there was that whole situation. We don't have to talk about it. We're talking about that new head coach and how what he had to deal with with Davis Mills and Tyra Taylor. And they had Deshaun Watson on the roster the whole time. They didn't play. So I think it's relatively guaranteed that he's missing time either this year or he just doesn't play again at all this year, and then he misses time next year. So that's very rebuild heavy. And then you're talking about in super flex drafts, Deshaun Watson could totally be drafted before Dak Prescott in the coming future. 100% 100% possible, but there's some risk there. And I think Deshaun Watson is a risky asset. So it's almost negative rebuild. You know, you don't want to invest in a non safe asset. You want to invest in like assets that are like relatively safe, like wide receivers, you know what I mean? Or like tight ends, like Kyle Pitts is a great rebuild player to have. Um, and the rookie 102 is a great rebuild um, item to have. But Deshaun Watson is someone I'm not too interested in having on a rebuild. It's more of like a who a middle of the pack Deshaun Watson plays next year, like and he goes really hard, like and I get Brees Hall at the 102, like this team's gonna be nuts going into this year. You know what I mean? So I get why that side could be enticing. But you're talking about Dak Prescott, who just got paid a bajillion dollars and was totally solid this year. Like wasn't the best quarterback ever, but like you're playing him every year, no matter what. Like you're playing every game. You know what I mean? You're not pulling him out of the lineup. You know, he's not I wouldn't say he's a QB two. He's still in that QB1 talk as far as fantasy point production. So you're not pulling him out of the lineup. And then you're talking about a rookie 201. This class is very deep, in my opinion, in wide receiver. Obviously, like you said, Drew, and like I've been trying to say throughout this draft, everything's going to change with draft capital and landing spot and um, testing numbers from the combine and all that, whether they have one pro days, whatever. So 201, I think you get a really solid wide receiver. Worst case scenario, you might pick up another QB. And everybody knows what QBs are like in Superflex. You're talking about this yep. draft right now. It's weak at QB. 
but it's not so weak where like, oh, none of these guys could start. It's like these guys could get drafted in the late first, early second, and then still become fantasy relevant. You're talking about the 201, you know, obviously that Prescott, like you said, fourth round pick, Russell Wilson, third round pick, whatever. These are the Malik Willis is kind of a guy like that could be in that where they you see fantasy production early. 201 is comparable enough to 102 where Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson, that disparity is like not enough, I don't think, in my opinion. So for me, I think it's a smash Dak Prescott side. I think it's actually super cheap. Um, but I understand why there's that super high upside with Deshaun Watson in if he doesn't face any punishment or if he does play a majority of this coming year. Like it could be really big for a contender. Yeah, it, it, it's very interesting seeing both sides of this. Um, I lean with Drew here uh, on the Watson side just because personally I, I have more confidence that he's going to play this year um, based on some of the some of the early articles on it. Mm-hmm. It looks like Deshaun Watson is going to try to come to a settlement with his accusers. And, and well, What I'll bring up with that, though, is the issue is he could come to a settlement and then still the NFL decides – well, and I do think that's going to happen. I think mm-hmm. he's going to, I think he's going to get hit with a six game or eight something. suspension. I, I don't think it's going to be a full year suspension, but I, I do think he is going to miss a good amount of games. I think I think yeah. um, it you know six eight it could even be ten uh, games that he misses. Um, but then but what I, if there's an issue of so you're talking about you're erring on the side of the good, I guess you could call it. Whereas he doesn't face any punishment outside of the NFL. Now you have to, I mean, even if you think based on your articles or whatever, um, that that is the way it's going to happen. You still have to remember that it could go to court, could be jail time, could be whatever. I think that's something that people are almost, I don't want to say forgetting about, but it's just something that you have to pay attention to. And then that correlates to value. So until those things are guaranteed out of the picture. The managers are trying to trade with are always going to also have that in the in their mind. So I think that's why the why I think this stack deal is so cheap is because Watson is just valued so low, regardless of what you think of what he could do in the future or if he's even, actually even better than Dak Prescott. It almost doesn't matter just because we don't want to lose value when we could we we could trade Dak Prescott for the rookie 103 and someone who's totally more safe like Trey Lance you know what I mean where we know he's going to start next year and he's got fantasy upside where with Deshaun Watson we don't know if he's going to start could face Jay Tillam you know all these other kind of things if that makes sense yeah and um I think you're 100% right with that and I think as long as you have Deshaun Watson even if he plays you have to worry about that but reading articles written by people who know the law, because trust me, I'm I'm no lawyer, so I'm not gonna sit I'm yeah. not gonna sit here and pretend that I am. But a lot of them say that every day that passes without criminal charges being filed, the odds of criminal charges actually being filed go down, uh, mm-hmm. just because you know time passes, memories fade, you know. So unless they're you know unless someone comes up with a piece of physical evidence, you know, um, it, it, it looks like the odds of Deshaun Watson being uh, charged criminally uh, go down. Now, obviously, you know, three years from now, someone can pull that piece of evidence out of somewhere and 
present it, and then boom, they're here are criminal charges. But yeah, um, just and you know, obviously, this is why I, I I read people who know these things because if I just tried to do this on my own, I couldn't even start. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it is a Deshaun Watson is going to be a huge risk, I think, until he is on another team and the NFL decides on what his punishment is going to be. But we know the talent. And if you kind of, if you're looking at it from my point of view, it's like, all right, this is dynasty. Even if he gets sacked with, even if he gets sacked with the entire season, let's just say the league goes 17 games, you're suspended. You don't play this season. All right, cool. You have a guy who every time we've seen him play has been a top three, four quarterback in the yeah. league. Plus you have this 102, which can turn into a bunch of other things. So, yeah. um, but listen, th- this is what makes the game fun is that oh, yeah. we, we can look at this thing from totally. And Spence, you say it's a smash. And I definitely... I, I will not say it's a smash on the Watson side because I, I I actually think this is, in my opinion, it's a it's a pretty even deal. I, yeah. I I lean slightly more towards the Watson side, but somebody else could think the opposite and go, "Oh man, this is a smash on the Watson side," and that's what yeah. makes the game fun because it's like we can look at this deal from two totally opposite points of view and think that we both. We both want it. We made out. Oh, yeah. Like, hey, you got what you wanted. You like Dak. You know, you don't you don't want the uh the the risk of Deshaun Watson. And I could look at it and be like, oh man, Deshaun Watson, you know, he's out there. I got, you know, one of the he's best quarterbacks yeah. in the league. And I got this 102. Well, so one thing I'll say too is it's interesting. You talk about the disparity between managers. You talk about the different methods of evaluation and everything like that so for me personally i try to take in the least amount of non uh actionable content if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so for you you have the advantage of knowing more of the situation and then applying that information towards your process so for you you're saying you know x y and z about deshaun watson and his situation and that leads you to believe that he's a better asset moving forward whereas i just say, I know all of the information and I'm not going to make a decision on any of it because it's out of my control and I can't use my, my person, like personally, I'm a heavy analytics guy. You know, yes. I can't, there's no way for me to put this into a, a, a code and determine the most likely outcome of this event. So for me personally, it's just totally random. So when I look at Sean Watson, there's just a random chance of 33% to be, He's never playing football again. 33% to be he misses the whole season. 33% to be he misses six games. And for me, that risk is too high. But for you, because you have that advice or you have that information and you're going to use it actionably, you know, and you're leaning towards the 33% that is six games only, that's leading you to make this decision. Whereas me, I'm trying to not take those those information into account at all. You know what I mean? Because there's going to be so many... There's just too many situations, you know, Deshaun Watson is a high profile player. So you're able to distinguish with him. Whereas like maybe some other guy who's just Joe Schmo, like uh, Dwayne Eskridge, 
you know, for example, like you're not paying attention to his information, his case, like as deeply. So when you, when you look at him, you're not gonna be able to apply the same process and come to the same conclusions. Whereas with me, I can kind of still just say, you know, based on this risk and based on this information, you know, I'm out, you know, I'm not going to dive too deep into determining the best course of action. I'm just going to decide based on the possibilities that there's too many that are bad. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So that's just kind of where I'm at. And then that's where you're at. And I think that that, like you said, is the best part about dynasty. Everybody has their own way of doing it and both people can win. You know, that's what what makes the market right. Yeah. Come a year from now, it could just be a totally straight up even deal. Deshaun Watson is playing in 2023. We're all good to go. You got the 102 with Brees Hall or whatever. And I'm sitting still with Dak Prescott and Joe Schmo. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And and that's the thing. Obviously, as we said earlier, the risk is still on the Deshaun Watson side. But if they both play, I don't think either side of this deal is mad. You know, at that point, they go, oh, man, you know, like, all right, Deshaun Watson is playing. He's doing his thing. Dak Prescott's playing. He's doing his thing. And I think that's a deal that, you know, if that happens, everyone ends up happy. But hey, we got a question in the chat here, so I want to I want to bring this up. Uh, Steve, uh, our boy Steve Dennis, he said, if you felt a little gamble, what's it going to take to get Jimmy G on a roster for 2022, say 12-team super flex? <laughs> so, Steve, I'm going to start this out here. It's going to take you two firsts and a second to get Jimmy G. And, oh and I say God. that to Steve because uh, Steve is in the uh, the fantasy timeline OG listener league. And he, uh, our team, uh, me and Bill, we have uh, Jimmy G on the roster right now. Ah, so he's yeah. trying, he's trying to, uh, he's trying Definitely to get one over. Firsts. Yeah. So two first and a second. Uh, and Jimmy G is all yours. <laughs> uh, he said sent. I'll, I'll wait for the, uh, for the email <laughs> to come on my phone, uh, letting me know yeah. that I got a deal. Uh, coming in, but it's actually a good question because we know Jimmy G is out of San Francisco. He's done. He had a nice run. I think everyone there really appreciates him and everything that he did. He did take him to a Super Bowl. He took him to an NFC championship game. And it might be a little wild to say he took them, but he was the starting quarterback for those teams. Well, I'll put it that way. So, but when we talk about, the mass amount of quarterback openings that they're going to be. Jimmy G is going to end up in one of them, you know, 100%. you know, maybe it's Tampa. Okay. That, that might not be so good with probably the talent that's going to be leaving Tampa. Maybe he goes to Pittsburgh. Well, he's got chase. He's got, um, uh, he's got chase Claypool. Excuse me. I said chase, like Jamar chase, chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Najee's there, some good talented weapons, you know, maybe uh, Denver strikes out and they take the Jimmy G backup plan. Um, So, and and Steve brought this up. He said, but competition or starter, Jimmy G's starting somewhere next year. Jimmy G is not, is not signing somewhere to be, uh, a competition guy or the veteran backup, you know, there, there are too many openings in the league right now for Jimmy G to not sign. And too a little, yeah. And too little good quarterbacks coming Correct. in. Correct. You know, we just had five good quarterbacks come in. 
five first round quarterbacks enter the league. Yep. You know, and there's probably one, maybe two in this draft. Yeah. Maybe could be zero. Honestly. Could be. It could so, be. So, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is 100% worth a buy. 100% going to be starting next year. Uh, I think if you can get him for anything less than a second, anything second or less is totally worth it. In a 12-team Superflex, you're not going to get that return on a second round. I would say it's tough to say because the early second wide receivers are looking pretty good right now. But if you're talking about like 204 and back, I would be heavily interested in Jimmy Garoppolo. And you can definitely get him cheaper than that. You should definitely be able to get him cheaper than that, than a 205, you know. Uh, what do you think, Drew? What if you were in the Jimmy Garoppolo market? What would you be willing to pay to get him? I'd be pretty happy with almost any second. Um, yeah, it depends yeah. on you know what you've got on your team, but uh, yeah, I think almost any second, I'd be very happy uh, adding him to my roster for that. If uh, it's funny, Josh, I've got him in our fourteen team league uh, on sleeper, and I'm wondering. You know, am I going to get any uh, offers for him from other teams that maybe just need a, a, a QB three or something like that? Um, so I don't think I'd let him go for much more or much less than a late first if I could squeeze that in super flex. But uh, if I can get him, you know, I think I might actually send a couple offers out uh, now that I'm thinking about it in some of these leagues where you know, there's one league I've got Mahomes and Allen and Jordan loves my QB three right now. And I, I'd love to add Jimmy G for uh, a mid a mid two or a, a mid two and a third if I could. And, uh, and I think if, if Jimmy G is a guy you have to get on your team for whatever reason, that's in your head, you have to get him on your team. You got to do it now because 100%. if free agency happens, let's say, like I said earlier, Denver strikes out, they don't get Watson. They don't get Aaron Rodgers, and they go, okay, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be our guy. He's not going to get a huge value spike. But he's going to get a value spike because they're going to be, oh, now he has Jerry Judy, he has Tim Patrick, he has Corland Sutton, he has Noah Fant, he's got Javante. Yeah. Like, we're going we're gonna to hate this up. Whether we should or we shouldn't is besides the point. This is what we're going to do. And then all of a sudden, like Drew said, maybe before the signing, you could have gotten Jimmy for, let's just say, the 203 or the 204. Now that's probably going to be the 111 or the 112 that you're going to need to get to convince the Jimmy G owner that he doesn't have this kind of diamond in the rough now that he's on a team with this, you know, mass, or even if it's Pittsburgh with Najee and Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, you know, so, um, yeah. You guys think he starts for a high probability he starts next year? Yeah, 100%. Oh, 100% he starts. Yeah. One of the things yeah. that I think is interesting, too, with with Jimmy is I think in a lot of your leagues, we are talking about super flex. And this could apply to one QB, but this already applies to one QB in almost every trade. With super flex, though, in the climate that we're in right now, you're talking about Tri Lance and how much hype he has and everything. I think you could reasonably send a trade for a player that you like, like, say – I don't know, Amon Ross St. Brown or something, you could send a trade for that guy with, say, a mid to late first and just, like, throw Jimmy G in with it, like, to receive Jimmy G, you know? Yeah. And I think they just might be like, okay, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like Jimmy G is – he's not, like, a high-caliber enough player where you really need to go out and send a second for him. 
You know, right. I feel like you could just send a trade offer for somebody else that you like, and then just like yeah. add Jimmy G to that trade and maybe throw a third in with it or a fourth. And they'll probably just be like, all right, whatever. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Everybody's looking at Jimmy G right now. Like, okay, well this guy isn't, you know what I mean? He's like a backup, you know, it's like, yeah. they just threw in Jordan Love, you know, cause I'm not expecting Jordan Love to start next year. So like, or, or whoever, you know what right, I mean? Right. Cam Newton, you just threw in Cam Newton with that. Like, okay, whatever. Sam Darnold or Jared Goff, right. like who yeah. cares? You know what I mean? I think yeah. he could be in that tier for some people, for some managers, you know? And I think, I think that's, I love that you said that. Cause I think that really is the play. Go, go get your guy. Like, let's say you want CD lamb, right? Yeah. And, and that guy has, you know, Jimmy G too. So you build, you build your, you build your trade around getting CD lamb and just go, oh, I'm, I'm offering you, let's say three pieces, you know, for CD lamb. Can you throw in Jimmy G? Ah, you Jimmy G. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Like, I don't care. Like, these three exactly. pieces that you're offering me are great. You can have Jimmy G on top. I don't care. Like Jimmy G is worthless to me. And that I think is more of the play than just saying, Hey, Jimmy G for two Oh five. What do you think? You know? Yeah. Like, now, I feel like you're selling yourself too short by like just giving them a second. Like when you could probably get them just as a throw in almost, or maybe you have to add a third, maybe, you, maybe you send the trade with CD lamb and Jimmy G and they're like, I don't know. It's kind of close. Like, could you add a little sum and you like throw him a Monterey Brown or not a Monterey Brown, but you throw him a third or a fourth. Right. You know, or you throw him down when people's jumped, you know, something like that. Or if you want, you wait until draft day and you're on the clock at, you know, let's say two eleven, and everyone is all hot and bothered because it's the rookie draft. Now people yeah. have been coming off the board there's some guy that you only you know about that like is gonna be the next big thing. Hey man, I got the two eleven. I I could honestly pick three guys right here. Um, how about you just give me Jimmy G? I let you have this pick and, and you pick the guy that you love. Oh, okay, cool. And then all of a sudden, maybe before the draft, the guy's like, "Well, I wouldn't give up Jimmy G for anything lower than you know the two hundred four. But now that it's the, the rookie draft. Now that this guy left, now that right. this guy you, went to the 211, all right, here you go. Oh, yeah, like I know about this guy from, you know, yeah. North Dakota State that nobody else knows about. I'm going to get him <laughs> in that 211. And then, like, aha, I got you. And you, you, all I had to do was give up Jimmy G. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. And that that's a play I personally love doing during rookie drafts is like, yeah. I got this pick, like, you know. I, I gave up the in a draft. I gave up the 109 last year and got Stefan Diggs. Like, you know, before the draft, nobody is making that trade. Like the 109, yeah. like even and we loved the class last year, but even then we weren't like. But they they saw Clark. Who did they see? Javante Williams there, and they're they, like they saw that. Javante or yeah. you know, Jalen Waddle or Devonta Smith or something. And they were like, Yeah, all right, Leona, you know, let's Mac get Jones. Mac Jones, yeah. You know, yeah. something like that. And they're like, hey, let's get paid. And let's, you know, so that's a move I like too. So if you're like, I, you know, I need Jimmy G in my life, you can, you can either take the Spence approach and just get him like a little sprinkle on a, on a bigger deal. Or you could take my approach and just wait till draft day. And I mean, hell, I wouldn't even be surprised if it's the 301 and you go, hey, man, I, I got a couple of sleepers here. You can have this pick and I'll, you know, uh, just give me Jimmy G. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jimmy G stinks, man. He, you know, 
Now, obviously, if he goes to a team, you know, if he goes to a team with weapons, you might not be able to pull that move off. But you know, it's a risk, you know. You know, but sometimes people like they just love picks so much that they don't really care and they'll do whatever they can to get them. So, all right, we got time for one more. This is from Dynasty Superflex at Dynasty Super. And you know we'll we'll take this one quickly so that we uh, we don't go too far over the one thirty that we usually try to stick to. But Zeke is twenty six, Pollard is twenty four. I don't understand why people who say they would rather have Pollard, Zeke was the RB six this year. People, he's mad. He <laughs> wants you to stop disrespecting RB six Zeke Elliott for the new hotness Tony Pollard. So, Drew, why don't we start with you first? Do you agree with this? Should we be disrespecting Zeke in favor of Tony Pollard? Or are we putting a little bit too much hype on Tony Pollard's name? Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're telling me straight up, do I want one or the other? I'll still take Zeke. I'll take the guy that's gotten the opportunity that's produced. Um, I get the allure of Pollard. I, I've had him on a, a couple of rosters and uh, – I was actually able to swing him and Baker to get to Sean Watson in one league because uh, somebody was so excited about Pollard. So uh, sure. If, if he's your guy, go get him. You know, this is fun. But uh, if you're telling me, you know, value wise, I'll still take Zeke. You know, if you're going to, it depends on what the other pieces you're going to give me with Pollard, but if it's straight up, uh, I'll stay, I'll still take Zeke. Who's, you know, when he's healthy and, and he's going well, he's, he's a great player, you know, an RB six, it's tough to to disagree with that. You know, he's, he's getting older. You know, the cliff is coming. But uh, we'll see if uh, if he actually hits the cliff or if, again, he kind of backs off and gradually declines over the next two seasons. That's fine. If he's RB10 this year, cool. I'll take an, I'll, I'll take an RB1 for him. There you go. Spence, what do you think about this one? Um, so, yeah, I agree uh, with what you're saying there, Drew. Basically... Um, I do want to say I like that trade. I know we talked about Deshaun Watson earlier, but Baker Mayfield and Pollock for Deshaun Watson, that's a smash for me, mainly because I'm not big on Baker Mayfield, but um, or, or Pollock, to be honest. I think that the issue here is that, like you mentioned, the value and the straight-upness and all that goodness. Like, yes, we'll take Zeke because we know he produces and he's produced, um, and he technically has the, the workload right now. But the issue is that the community has already shifted. And from that point forward, it's kind of like that's the end game. Like A.J. Dillon with Aaron Jones, you know, it's just shifted. Even though Aaron Jones is still the lead back, everyone's like, well, A.J. Dillon is younger and they're in the same backfield. So I'm going to take the other guy now, you know. And so basically you just have to make a decision. Do I want the guy who's more likely to score me fantasy points this season or do I want the guy who's going to maintain value even if he doesn't score fantasy points this season? So that's the issue with Pollard and Dylan is that even if they don't play as much as you want them to this year, the hype will still continue into next year because they're younger and they have another year to take over. Um, so personally, I I am on, I'll take the Zeke side straight up. And also I want to mention, I love Dynasty Superflex, big fan. Um, but one thing with his tweet that is a little, I don't know what you want to call it, um, misleading is that RB six is like, I'm assuming fantasy finish. Yes. It's like, isn't that relevant? Like, I don't like using fantasy finishes for much of anything because it basically just means he is healthy most of the year. 
Um, and he, you know, he played. So you talk about points per game. I don't have it up right now, but I'm assuming it was either just inside or just outside of RB one, which is still good. But like twenty six, yeah, fifteen. Yes, he just outside. Like that's not. I I'm not like crazy about that. That's replaceable level production. Um, it was nice that you were able to start him every game, but you know, I, I'm not in love with either of these guys, to be honest. Like I'll, I'll take AJ Dillon over either of them. And, you know, and that's a similar conversation to be had between AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. So, but yeah, like you said, we're getting close to time. So what are you, yeah. what are your thoughts, Josh? Just, just, you know, as a Cowboys fan and somebody who watches, you know, every single game, um, I think, I think people have become enamored with the idea of Tony Pollard. He's younger. He's more explosive when he's on the field. You see those longer runs. You see the pass cast, excuse me, pass catching chops that you used to see from Zeke and you don't see as much anymore. And we go, oh man, if this guy was out here all the time, like this is what it would be. But I think there's, you know, there's a good reason why he's not out there all the time, because if he was, we would not see what we see when we get him in small doses. I have a lot of Tony Pollard, and that's because I could get Tony Pollard for a very cheap price. I don't think that is really a thing anymore, or at least not what you used to be able to get him for. So. Mm-hmm. In a lot, in the few leagues that I have that I don't have Tony Pollard, I don't expect to get Tony Pollard because I have a feeling that asking price is going to be too high. Because just like Spence said, uh, you know, points per game, RB15, that's replaceable. And people are going to go, well, what is it going to get replaced with? It's going to get replaced with Tony Pollard. And I know you meant Spence more in a, you know, you can get fantasy, other other fantasy, fantasy players. Yeah. But I, like I I'll still, grab Elijah Mitchell. Exactly. But I still think people are going to say, well, he's not actually that good when he's on the field. Dallas is going to see this and Dallas is going to, yeah. you know, split I'm it. I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah. And Dallas, but Dallas has shown you that they're not. Yeah. Even when well, they, Ze- Zeke was hobbling during certain games and they were still feeding him, the, it's almost like they there. wanted yeah. him to get injured. And the dude is just so tough and stubborn that he yeah. did. I mean, apparently he had a torn PCL, according to yeah, him. Yeah, it came out at the end of the season. Whatever. I don't, you know, I, I don't know if I've seen an actual medical report yet. That's, you know, I'm not calling Zeke a liar, but, you know, sometimes if you <laughs> yeah. don't have a good game or a good season, you go, oh, you know, my knee was hurt. My, my back was hurt. My this was hurt yeah. to kind of, you know, talk it away. But that, Dallas has shown you. They are going to keep going with Zeke. Maybe it's because they're paying him way more money than they should. That's a possibility. Maybe they just see what I see and that if you decide you're going to all of a sudden flip the roles and you're going to make Tony Pollard the main guy and Zeke the kind of back that spells him, you're not going to get the same results. So You're also paying the guy like, I don't even know. I don't even want to say the number because it's just like so much more it's, than Tony Pollard. It's you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so you have to get everything you can out of him. Exactly. You know, exactly. And another thing is too, you're talking about 
oh, when he's on the field, he does this with Tony Pollard. That is great. But I'm not a huge fan of the small sample size, high efficiency running backs. I know that that is a a market. There is a market for that on Twitter and dynasty communities. I know some people love that. Rashad Penny and Tony Pollard, AJ Dillon, um, Cam Akers last year, you know, a little bit. I'm not that guy. I, I prefer, you know, we said it, I said it earlier, good coaches play good players. It's the same with running backs. Not saying Tony Pollard is bad, but the chances he's better than Ezekiel Elliott are low. I think I think they would have already just played him over him if it was actually that prominent mm-hmm. of a showing. Um, so for it to expect it to happen coming forward is just, I think, a bad bet. And I think um, the only reason you should do something like that is because you're betting on value. And I think like we touched on earlier, the odds are Pollard's value is just going to be higher than Zeke's for the rest of their careers going forward. Exactly. And that, that's the reason why I bought so much Pollard earlier in it, in his career, because it was cheap and he's a nice injury bi-week fill-in type guy. Oh, Tony Pollard, he could take one, you know, to the house and, and kind of win you. Yeah, like Alexander Madison. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, th- and those are the kind of guys that you like having as RB4, RB5, yeah, like RB6. Throwing, yeah, he's on my bench. Oh, shoot. Like, yeah. Dump like cooks down, slap them in. Like it's that right. easy. It's that or, easy. Oh man, my my top two guys have the same bye week this year. All right, Tony Pollard, you're gonna be playing in week seven because yeah, and these then he guys gives you ten points because he caught four passes. And you're like, all right, cool. <laughs> yeah, you're happy about it. So um, that's the thing. But yeah, I mean, we could Spence, you and I both kind of said the same thing that like, and nothing is changing in Dallas. It's going to be the same head coach. It's going to be the same offensive coordinator. So I don't know why we would expect anything to change. I could understand yeah. if uh, they hired a new head coach. And I'll say they could restructure that, that uh, Ezekiel Elliott deal, I think. That might be possible. Oh, God. Just, just, just so if take... they did that, it could open up possibilities. Because, I mean, you got to chase the money. you got to follow yeah. the money. Yep. Very important. Like. I... <laughs> Earlier this year, I was debating between who were the Lions wide receivers. I can't even remember. It was like Tyrell Williams and yeah. um, who was Josh Reynolds. Jo- no, not Josh. No, Reynolds. he wasn't on the team yet. Oh, yeah, Tyrell okay. Williams and uh, who was the other guy? Who the heck was it? Was it was it a Raider? No, Tyrell Williams was a Raider. Who was, was the Raider? Anyway, oh, man. The point is, it was some vet. Quintess Cephas. Like, no, not Cephas. It was some oh. vet. Um, but basically, everybody was like, oh, it's going to be this guy. And I was like, no, it's Tyrell Williams. He got paid like $2.3 more million. You know what I mean? And then the other guy got cut like right before the season or something. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, go me. And then like three weeks into the season, the other guy was like off the roster. And it was like, you know, I was like, I, I got taught a lesson. Like, okay, money matters, but like not that much. You know what I mean? I think I think big money matters. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the thing. I mean, especially you know, we're talking about Zeke here, who, like I said earlier, is going to pay way too much. Big yeah, money well, matters. Who is that guy? You know, so you know, especially you know, we see this again. We're going to see this, you know, in free agency. We talked about a little bit with Kenny Galladay to bring it full circle. Kenny Galladay is, you know, Brian Dable is going to build an offense where Kenny Galladay is going to try to get featured because they're paying him so much money that they got to get something out of the investment. So uh, I, I like that money doesn't always matter, but big money always matters. And I think that's the uh, 
I think that's the important takeaway here. So, uh, Drew, man, this, dude, we did, we did it, man. Another week in the books, another great episode, another great guest. I mean, can we do any better? I guess, I guess that's next week's. Uh, that's <laughs> Every a prompt, week, man. That's One percent better. Next, that's a prompt for us next week. We, uh, <laughs> I think, I think we did, we did pretty damn good this week. Um, so, uh, Spence, on your way out, tell everybody where they can find you, what you're up to. You found them? Rashad Perriman. That's who it was. Everybody was like, Rashad Perriman. I was like, no, Tyrell Williams. Like, he already had a good season. Like, yeah, but anyway. And the correct answer was, I'm on Ross St. Brown. It was, it was neither. Exactly. <laughs> it was neither Tyrell or Rashad Perriman. But, but I give you a lot of respect for fighting that fight because – when people talk to me about Lions receivers, I said, <laughs> TJ Hawkinson, and don't talk to me about nothing else. I don't Nobody care. Nobody else. I don't care. Don't talk to me about your, your Amon Ross St. Browns and your Tyrell Williams and your Rashad <laughs> yeah. Perrimans and your Danny Amendolas and whoever else was on that team stinking it up. I, I don't want to. Quintez Cephas. Yeah. Uh, that guy's good. He got hurt. That guy's oh good. Oh my god! Don't hate. Oh he god. was doing good. Oh my he god! He How was... much did he pay you, Spence? Hey, uh, I mean, all right. So, I I won't get into it. But basically, coming into this year, the only player that wasn't drafted in the first three rounds that I liked was Darnell Mooney. But Quintus Cephas was like, oh, it was so close. Like I almost wanted a gun for him, but it just wasn't there enough. And and then at the beginning of the season, I was like, damn, I should have. I should have bought into more Cephas, and then he got hurt, and I was like, "All right, well, that's a wrap." And, and we're 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 talking to an analytics guy here, okay? So the the numbers don't lie, Drew. Oh Quintez God. Cephas, <laughs> good. He wasn't nothing special, but he was a guy who I thought could do well. With I, I think because there was nobody else there. Yeah, with limited competition. Hey, listen, but he did. I mean, it still takes something to do that. You know. Listen. What I mean? Amon Ra needed the entire team oh my to go God. to the hospital <laughs> before. I'm he, super he, out on Amon Ra. I'll tell you right now, dude's dude's overpriced to the moon. I'm never gonna have a share. Me and Spence are on the same wavelength with this. <laughs> you could. I wish I had any Amon Ra St. Brown because so I, I could just sell them. Yes, sell them. I yeah. I would have been like, oh, oh. oh. All you're what's gonna what's give the me? least you're taking in terms of uh, 22 picks for him, Spence? The least? Uh, I mean, I'd take a second. I'd take, Any second? I'd take, 212? Like the same what we were talking about with like Jimmy Garoppolo. I'd take like a 204. But you could get like a 105, I think, right now. You know what I mean? I'm Which in is a just start- insane. I'm in a startup. And I'm on Raw St. Brown. I'm going to look it up right now so I don't misspeak. But I believe... I'm on Ross St. Brown. Six round. Went before Hunter Renfro. Like, that's crazy. That's, that's a crazy. sin. That's I crazy. don't know. I honestly don't care about that. That's crazy. I actually say, personally, I'll take him on Tim Brown. And I don't like him on Tim Brown, but the issue with Hunter Renfro is, like, he's been in the league for so many years, and then he did a really well this year. He did decent last year. There's good progression. If you're talking about a modern Sam Brown, he's able to do his rookie year. It's, it's more important to be able to do it rookie year. And neither of them are very good analytically, in my opinion. So you're talking about just pure production at an early stage in their career. Modern Sam Brown gets to edge. But let me know what draft pick he was taking because you're talking about 
you got kicker replacements or something for the draft picks in the startup? Yeah, exactly. So so where was he taken in respect to that? Like in between what picks? Because right, that's going to be the telling thing here. You know what? We let's wrap this up. I'll find that when we go off let's do off it. air, let's and do then it. we'll talk, yeah. we'll uh, we'll bring it up quickly on on the next episode. So Spence, tell everybody where they can find you, what you are up to, and what you're doing. So yeah, JTRB1, like he said. I mean, you can pretty much find me anywhere on that Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I mean, not Facebook, but any anywhere that you would ever hear of me is JTRB1. Um, one, the only thing I want to shout out is uh, charity. I'm big into charity. Love, love giving back to the people who are undeserving and less deserving. Uh, not undeserving, less deserving. And um, No Kid Hungry is Jonathan Taylor's 2021 My Cause My Cleats. Or sorry, 2020 My Cause My Cleats. I've been just riding with them ever since. Um, if you ever get the opportunity to you know, do any events or um post any videos like highlighting a charity a local local shelter uh, um, anything like that you know it takes no time out of your out of you and it can really help a lot of people out so um big fan of charity just think about your neighbors think about your community and you know help out when you can especially when it comes at a little little cost to you but it's a big help for everybody else Uh, i I I love love that. that man um I was actually just just talking to somebody the other day, you know, and it's weird that there are a lot of people out there, unfortunately, that have this perception that if you don't donate to a cause that you say you're passionate about, that 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 equates to not having like a real passion. And some people just don't have the monetary um, flexibility to do that. And but just like so many other ways. Putting out a tweet, like Twitter is free. You can put out a tweet and say, hey, you know, I feel real passionately, like you said, Spence, no kid hungry. And you can just say, hey, if you feel the same way and you never really thought about donating, here's the link. And you you don't ask for anything. You just send them the link. You know, people retweet that people like that that ends up on other people's feed all of a sudden someone goes oh, man, i got i got an extra 5 bucks i can give to no kid hungry i got an extra 20 bucks i can give to no kid hungry and and you would be and amazed that's 50 meals right there yeah and and um you know i i had a tweet that kind of blew up a little bit my uh my son is 8 and he asked me you know he said dad what can i do for people around me what can i do for people that need help and I said, you know what, my uh, my father in law is very big into um, into Shriners Children's Hospital. Okay, um, yeah. They, you know, they they deal with children that have all, all kinds of, of disabilities and diseases, and their goal their goal and it is what they do. It's not just a goal; it's what they do. Any any person that comes there, they leave no bill. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how long they stay. It doesn't matter how many surgeries are done, how much medicine is given, the parents leave with absolutely no bill. And the parents who have to fly there because they don't live close by, they're put up with housing that they don't have to pay for. They, they're, uh, they're fed, they're given meals that they don't yeah. have to pay for. So um, we, did a, we did a walk. We did, you know, obviously there were people that were running, did, did a 5K run, but my son and I, mm-hmm. my entire yeah. family, we just walked. And I just said, hey, if you can donate that would be great. I don't even care, you know, a hundred dollars or 
20 cents. It doesn't matter. Every dime, every nickel, every penny goes to helping children who are yeah. sick and that need that help. And so I love the fact that you brought up something that's close to your heart because um, yeah. just a tweet. I didn't, I, I didn't, you know, say, oh, hey, if you donate to my charity, I'll donate to your charity. You know, I just put the tweet out there. A bunch of people retweeted it. A bunch of people liked it. A bunch of people donated. And my son, this wasn't me. I just put a tweet out there. My son raised $700 for St. Jude's, no, I'm sorry, not St. Jude's, for Shriner Children's Hospital. Mm -hmm. Like, that's crazy with, just because he asked me a question, just because he was like, hey, I want to help. I want to do something. And I was like, yeah, we can definitely do stuff. And that's all it takes. So uh, on that note, thank you to the chat. Chat was lit. We had great questions. We had great comments. Um, I'm waiting for uh, my two first and a second for Jimmy Garoppolo, Steve. So get on that. Um, if uh, you're you're in the chat, thank you. Hit the bell. Hit subscribe. Um, you know, so that you know when we're going to be live. Uh, if you're doing the podcast thing, appreciate you too, man. Uh, hour and 45 minutes we're going to be at by the time this is all wrapped up that's a lot of time you could be doing anything else and i appreciate that you spent the time to listen to us talk about football um just Fake hit football. that fantasy football right not even, a little bit of real stuff we've talked about the news um hit hit you know um hit subscribe if you just like tripped and fell on us and we're like oh never heard of these guys let's see what it is hit subscribe uh, if you're already subscribed, please rate and review, man. Those are so important. It, get, it gets you in front of more people, and that's all we want to do, man. We want to talk to as many people as possible, have as much fun as possible. So on that note, Drew, we are out of here. Late.